Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 438. Today is December 17th, 2023. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, hey, quickly just want to review what exactly the Federal Reserve said this week and does it justify the exuberance we're seeing in the stock market? Well, regardless of what they said or did, remember this. We want to treat the Federal Reserve just like we treat any organization or any individual person. We pay less attention to what they say and more attention to what they do. The other thing to remember is that just because the Fed or anybody else says or does or thinks a particular way, that doesn't mean they're going to get their intended outcome. So keep that in mind as well. But here's what happened. The Federal Reserve has been described as being more dovish and actually pivoting from the pause that they had been doing. Now, a lot of this is the media getting way ahead of themselves. At this past meeting, the Federal Reserve didn't do anything that they haven't been doing since July. In July, they stopped hiking and and have been pausing since July. So there's nothing new there. Now, what is new is the Fed talked openly about having possibly three cuts to short-term interest rates next year to the federal funds rate, which is what they control. And they talked about that would be as much as lowering the yield by 75 basis points. Okay, so we're not even talking about one full percent. And keep in mind, Fed funds rate now is running at about 5.35%, and they could potentially take it up to as high as 5.5% if they wanted to. So a 75 basis point cut or reduction from something well over 5%, while that is a change in direction, while it is more dovish, you know, is that going to change anybody's life? I don't think so. We'll get into all that. The other thing to consider is, remember, ever since the Fed started raising, you've had critics out there or prognosticators predicting that the Fed was just about to cut. There were many people that were predicting that we would have seen cuts as early as March of this past year. We didn't see that. So the market is currently wanting more than four cuts for next year. Some are saying that the Fed will cut as early as March of 2024. We'll see. And once again, getting ahead of myself here, but just because the Fed cuts, is that really a good thing? Think about that, and we'll close on that at the end of this episode. First off, one of the reasons the Fed was able to get more dovish or talk about upcoming cuts is because over the last six weeks to two months, a lot of the inflation data has gotten really good And we knew this was coming because the price of oil and other commodities, but especially oil, have been coming way down. Now, there's several reasons for the fact that the price of oil has come down. One of them is because things like the war in Israel hasn't expanded, nor has things gotten worse with the war in Ukraine. Remember, the war in Ukraine was a major driver of why food and energy prices spiked in early 2022. But the other side of this is that the global economy is actually so stagnant and stalling that one of the reasons that oil prices are even as high as they are is because the Saudis cut their production from, you know, capacity of, they could be producing two and a half or more million barrels a day that they've taken off the market. So oil prices could and should be a lot lower than they are right now. If it wasn't for the cartel effect of OPEC and specifically the Saudi Arabians keeping oil prices high. 
Now you're saying, John, you just said oil prices were low. Well, they've come down significantly from where they were. And since oil drives the price of everything, and especially even things like food and agricultural products, well, the Federal Reserve has gotten lucky in getting back to their target of near 2% inflation, primarily because of oil. But those low prices in oil have nothing to do with where the Federal Reserve has set their Fed funds rate. It has to do with supply and demand. And the fact is, is that global demand isn't as strong or robust as it should be. And when you have great things happening like the United States actually now producing record amounts of oil, that's keeping our economy strong and thriving. As I mentioned in a video, I think it was back near the start of the Ukraine war. I think that video came out in May of 2022 over at the YouTube Wealthsteading channel where I talked about three global choke points which were actually going to work in favor for the United States. Energy and oil production was one of them. So with increased production of oil from the United States and with a glut of oil because the overall global economy is not growing as much as expected, that is more than anything what has brought inflation back down. Years ago, when the Federal Reserve is talking about transient inflation, or that inflation was transitory, they weren't that far off. The bottom line is that the Fed has gotten lucky with lower oil prices, and that's helping them drive their agenda. But oil prices can be a fickle thing. We look like we're entering an era of a second Cold War, and those geopolitical tensions have consequences on the supply chain, and so when war breaks out in a place like Ukraine or in Israel, we see disruptions in the flow of oil or in the flow of agricultural products. And that has essentially been the story of volatility and a really fickle market that's taken place over the last two years. With the Fed's dovish talk and their perceived pivot this week, you know, the stock market has gone crazy. But remember, it was only six weeks ago that not only the S&P 500 was down by more than thir but by about 13%, but the 10-year Treasury had actually gotten up to 5%, which it hadn't been to since, I don't know, I think 2007, 2006. So we're seeing extreme volatility in both equities and the bond market and the commodity markets, regardless of what Fed policy is. Pull up a chart of the S&P 500. Look at it over the last two years. We're consistently seeing switchbacks where the market will go up for three or four months, but then it goes right back down. The Dow Jones Industrial Average this week put in a new record high. That's the only major indice that I can think of that has actually put in a new record high over these past two years. Even on the commodity side, I think gold is also the only one that's put in a new record high. And even with that, a week or so ago, gold had dropped back down below 2000 Now it's slightly back up above that. But gold does, for now, remain range-bound and is not significantly breaking out to new record highs. Listen, another reason I think the Fed has gone somewhat dovish, at least in their communications, is that we're approaching an election year. You've heard me say before that the Federal Reserve doesn't want to be the bad guy or an election spoiler in 2024. If anything, I think they're going to lean more towards supporting the current administration than anything. 
In short, if some kind of a black swan event, which would really drive up inflation, I think the Fed is going to be very accommodative. And I've mentioned that I think it will put that Fed put under a low in the market and provide some more risk-tolerant swing trading opportunities in 2024 than we've seen in 2023. Now, of course, the Federal Reserve is worried about optics, and so rather than all of a sudden getting more dovish in 2024, I think they wanted to get that out of the way and talk about that in the end of this year. Even though I think the Fed is going to be accommodative and doesn't want to be a bad guy during an election year, remember what happened to Jimmy Carter. The Fed didn't go easy on him. But again, we're nowhere near those inflationary levels that they saw back in 1980. And speaking of inflation levels and forecasts, listen, the Federal Reserve, as dovish as they may have sounded this past week, they're still not committing to 2% inflation until the end of 2026. That's two years from now. So think about that in terms of this last mile of getting inflation totally under control. Everyone's excited that, you know, depending upon how you measure inflation, it's maybe below 4% or maybe below 3%. Some people saying that we're tracking it somewhere just in the high 2.5%. But again, if that were really all true, then the Federal Reserve is really sandbagging because they're not predicting a 2% inflation rate until 24 months from now. That's a long time from now, and there's plenty of geopolitical issues that could sidetrack that forecast. So the Fed's forecast for inflation this time next year, 12 months from now, is 2.6%. You wonder why it's going to take them another year after that to knock off that last 60 basis points, but that's what's in their model. Bottom line here, though, is that they're talking about three cuts to the Fed funds rate in 2024. That's a total of 75 basis points. That would put the Fed funds rate at about 4.6%. Well, the 10-year Treasury right now is under 4%. So the Fed would have to cut an entire 1.3% just to get the yield curve flat from the rates that we look like we're going to be projected on with a 10-year Treasury. Because remember, the Federal Reserve doesn't directly control the long end of interest rates. So they would have to cut not three times next year, but close to five and a half times to get to a flat yield curve. And even a flat yield curve is potentially restrictive to the economy. I know you're saying, but ah, but John, but the 10-year treasury is going to go down well below 4%. Well, maybe it will. But even if it does, even if it just gets down to 3%, that's still restrictive in terms of where we've been over the last decade. Pull up a chart of the 10-year treasury. Since 2011, look at how many times or over what period of time the 10-year treasury has been above 3%. Not very many, and mostly just recently. So even a 3% rate on the 10-year treasury would be restrictive compared to what the market is used to for the past 10 years. And again, I want to emphasize, just because the Federal Reserve raises or cuts rates doesn't necessarily mean that the long end of the curve will change. Remember, the Federal Reserve paused raising rates since this past summer. And yet mortgages hit, what, 8% and the 10-year treasury hit 5% just this past October. I can paint a number of reasons of why the 10-year treasury could maintain at least 4%, if not go higher, regardless of what the Federal Reserve does, 
And that's because interest rates at or above 4% are not abnormal. They would actually be low in comparison to where rates should be if they weren't being artificially manipulated lower. One of the things that occurred in the 1980s that forced the Federal Reserve to drastically raise interest rates was not only to fight inflation, but also because they were driven there by what was called the bond vigilantes. The bond vigilantes were the institutional buyers of U.S. treasuries that simply refused to buy treasuries at lower rates. Think about what's happening right now with our debt and deficit. The debt is increasing by about a trillion dollars every six months, if not sooner. And because interest rates are higher, a larger percentage of the revenue collected has to go to service the debt. And so the argument can be made that interest rates need to stay high to attract more people that want to own that debt. Because to the extent that we go back to easy monetary policy, inflation will come back with a vengeance just like it did in the 1970s, which led to the bond vigilantes that emerged in the 1980s. Look at housing. Right now, the housing market is out of equilibrium. We don't have a large enough housing supply to meet the housing demand. So even when interest rates were at 8%, people with money were still buying houses. And if you lower mortgages, all you will do is will encourage people with less money into the market and the overall cost of housing won't change. Because although interest rates will go down, the price of housing will get bid up more and will be back to where we were. More housing demand than housing supply. So you'll see more housing inflation, not less. Again, that's exactly what happened in the 1970s when Arthur Burns was the Fed chair at that point. He cut rates too soon. I think he did that probably under the pressure of Richard Nixon. And when we saw a second oil spike, I don't know, it was 1979, 1978, it really reignited inflation. And that's where we saw I think the Fed funds rate peak out at something like 15, 16% as we got into the mid-1980s. I don't think Federal Reserve Chairman Powell wants to be the Arthur Burns of our century. One final thought about the Fed pausing or being more dovish or cutting rates. Remember, just because they say or do something doesn't mean they get the outcome they want. And the more they cut rates... That just translates into the fact that the economy is worse off than what they want it to be. So think about what happened during the Great Recession. The Federal Reserve stopped raising rates in 2006. The stock market didn't bottom until March of 2009. Think about that and think about all the enthusiasm that we're seeing in the market right now. Maybe that's misguided. Well, hey, in any case, as you can hear, my voice is continuing to get better. I'm still not 100%. I appreciate all your thoughts and prayers. Until next time, this is John Pagliano wishing you the very best returns.